All right, so um, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And um, we're going to read verses 31 through 33. This is just a short recap, and I'm going to get into some stuff tonight. But um, I've been talking about, you know, bottom line, first of all, if you, if you really want to be successful in life, you know, I spoke about, you know, you have to first you know, focus on the things that matter most to God. And what matters most to God is the expansion of his kingdom. And um, so in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33, it says, Therefore, do not worry or be anxious, perpetually uneasy and distracted. Now, last week I talked about not being distracted. Saying, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? And I put here, you know, when these things begin to occupy your thoughts, you know that you're being distracted by the enemy. You know, when you have constant thoughts and worries and concerns about, you know, how you're going to make it in life. Really, that's what it's talking about. You know, how are you going to make it? You know, how are you going to, you know, pay this bill or how are you going to, you know, handle this situation wherever? And when these things start occupying your thoughts, you know that. The devil has you off focus. He has you distracted and focusing on yourself when you need to be focusing on the things of God. Now, I'm going to get into something tonight. <clears throat> but I put, but the scriptures say, for the pagan or the Gentiles, they urgently or eagerly seek all these things. Or those that don't have a relationship with God, this is what consumes their thoughts. This is what worries them. This is what has them in fear. But God doesn't want that to be our story. It says, but do not worry, for your heavenly father's father knows that you need them. He already knows that you need these things. You know, so he's already made provision for everything that you need in life. He knows that you need it already. And so it goes on to say, but first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. The attitude and character of God and all these things will be given to you also. So he says, if you, if you will shift your focus from yourself and what's going on in your personal life and what's happening and stuff like that, and you begin to focus on the kingdom of God, he said, I, I, all that other stuff that you're worrying about, you're concerned about, I'll take care of that. Don't even, you don't even have to worry about that because I already know that you have need of these things. I, I, I'll read, I will take care of that for you. And I read one more scripture and then I'm going to get into some stuff. And in Psalms 119, 37 through 38, I read this last week, but it blessed me. It says, um, <clears throat> turn, my, turn my eyes away from vanity or all those worldly, meaningless things that distract. Let your priorities be mine. I love that. My God, man. Turn my eyes away from, in other words, take my focus off meaningless things. You know, things that really have no, when it's all said and done, have no value. Turn my eyes away from those things. Everything that's distracting me from focusing on what really matters. Take my eyes off of those things. And I just put here, you know, I mentioned last week that the key to, that opens the door of blessings into your life is to put God's agenda ahead of your own. Jesus said that if you would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that everything else that you're thinking about or 
concerned about will be given to you. So the key to success is really fulfilling the agenda of God. In other words, concentrating on what matters to him most. Because if you take care of his business, then he'll begin to take care of yours. And I put here, what matters to him most is the expansion of the kingdom of God. That means pulling more people out of the kingdom of darkness and translating them into the kingdom of light. And I put here, the key is to not allow the enemy to begin to distract you and begin to overwhelm you with life. You know, that's, that's, that's the real key. So, you know, I was, I was thinking about this as I was in the back. And um, it's amazing. But when you begin to focus on the things of God, it's, it's incredible. God will begin to speak to you about situations in your own life. He'll begin to give you wisdom about things that have concerned you. He'll begin to give you direction. It's amazing, you know. As I'm, as I'm praying, just really just seeking him, you know, getting in his presence. You know, I'm not thinking about myself. You know, I'm really just trying to focus on him. Then he begins to speak to me about me. He begins to give me insight into things that, that I have been thinking about. Answers that I haven't, that I could not, you know, try to figure out on my own. You know, he just, boom, he just gives me an answer in a moment. Because, you know, the thing about walking with God is this. We serve, you know, the omniscient God. And the word and omniscience means that he's all-knowing. That's where we get science, the word science from. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. You know, there's nothing that's hid from him. So we may be trying to figure out what to do, but he already has the answer. And so if we begin to get into his presence and begin to seek things that matter most to him, then he'll begin to give us the answer. He'll begin to deposit the answer on the inside of us. I get so many answers to stuff. It's just, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Here I am, you know, thinking about God. And spending time with him, and he begins to drop more books on me. I mean, just like he gives me more. I'm almost done with the second book. I finished it, and now I'm just proofreading it. I mean, I wrote this book in like a couple of months. Three months, maybe. But it's because, I, because I'm focused on him. And he, begins to, and he begins to just, and then he starts speaking to me about, you know, other books. I mean, crazy, you know. When you begin to focus on him, he'll begin, the things that matter most to you will begin to matter to him and he'll begin to speak to you about it. Now, as I was sitting here and we were, we were in a moment of worship, you know, God gave me this scripture. I'm sitting there and God just speaks this to me real quick. And that's why I took so long trying to, because I, I, I knew it was, you know, I'm trying to figure out where it is in the Bible. I found it, you know. But turn your Bibles to Luke chapter five. And I want to, you know, just kind of crystallize this point that I'm speaking about. See, when you begin to focus on the things that matter to God, he'll begin to focus on things that matter to you. But in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 1. It, it says there, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. So Jesus is preaching, man, and, he, and as he's preaching, people are beginning to press against him. You know, they're trying to get closer to him so they can get the word of God from him. And it says, and, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them 
and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's or Peter's, right? And prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So they're pressing him so much that he's almost like in the water, man. So he gets on Peter's ship and just asks him, you know, just kind of just go out just a little bit. And he begins to stand on the ship and just preach to them. And after he finished speaking, now he finished, he, he does his thing, man. He's on, now he's on Peter's boat. This, this boat belongs to Peter. But he's allowing Jesus to use it so he can preach the gospel. So here he is preaching the gospel. He does his thing. I don't know how long he preached, 30 minutes, hour, how, who knows how long Jesus was preaching. But he's preaching and he's using Peter's boat. So now it says when he had left speaking or when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. And let down your nets for a drought. Jesus is going to owe no man nothing. I've taken, you know, I've used your boat. You know, you use your boat for fishing. This is, this, that was Peter's business. He was a fisherman, him and his brother, you know. They're, they're fishermen. And now Jesus is using his boat to preach from. After he finished preaching his message, he said, okay, now, you know, I'm done. Now, launch out into the deep. And let down your nets for a drought. In other words, a great catch. And be a great catch. And it says, And Simon answering said to him, Master, we have toiled all night. They're out there fishing all night. And have caught or taken nothing. This is his business, to fish. He's out here fishing all night and had caught nothing. All night. And he says, you know, we've been out here fishing all night and we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had, and when they had this done, <laughs> they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. My God, man. Now, that's a lot of fish, man, to break. Have you ever seen fishers nets? And these things are strong, man. These, they got so much fish in this net, they started to break. And see, again, I wanted to crystallize that point that if you, if you begin to see Peter's out all night fishing, catches nothing. He can just be depressed and be like, I'm ready to go in. No, Jesus, you can't use my boat. I got to go, you know. But he allows him to get on his ship. He, he, he sets out a little bit and lets... Jesus handle his agenda. You go ahead and preach to the people. But when he's done, Jesus doesn't leave him empty handed. He doesn't just say, well, thank you. I appreciate it, Peter. Thank you for letting me use your boat. No, he says, now, you know, now I'm gonna have to pay you for this one. Launch out. Because you're gonna get a big catch. Now, thank God for his obedience because he could have been like, well, Jesus, you don't know nothing about no fishing, man. I'm a, I'm a fisherman. You know, we've been fishing all night. We ain't catch nothing. Nevertheless, at your word. See, hearing the word, see, one word is all that matters. What counts is getting a word from God. One word caused them to have a, a net breaking miracle. Just one word from, just one word from God. And see, if you begin to make God's agenda yours, 
you're going to get a word from God. And that one word from God can change your life forever. It didn't take much. Jesus didn't, he didn't preach no message. Launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a drop. That's it. That's all he said. It didn't take a lot. He didn't talk to him for 30 minutes. He didn't pray. You know, he didn't do none of that stuff. He just said, just launch out into the deep. Let your nets down for a great, great catch. And when he obeys the word of God, boom. Net sinking, net breaking, boat sinking miracle. I love this, man. I just And it says, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in another ship, that they should come and help them. They couldn't even get all the fish by themselves. They had to get their partners to come help them. And it says, and they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. <laughs> Two, the fish are so many that it filled two ships and caused the, the ships to sink. My God, man. That's a lot of fish, man. I mean, talk about changing your life. Talk about one word from God changing your life. What that did for, for Peter's business in one moment. I mean, he comes home empty-handed. This is his livelihood. He comes home with nothing. Fishing all night. Hours and hours and hours fishing, catching nothing. See, that's what happens when you when you when you you're out there, you're focusing on your own thing. Sometimes you just be out there catching nothing. <laughs> you working, you doing all of this stuff, you know, you, you, you spinning your wheels, you going nowhere. It's like, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we go to the gym. My wife, I told you, made me go to the gym in the morning, you know, so. <laughs> she gets me up real early. And now she started messing around with this Stairmaster thing, you know. And see, my, my thought is, you know, I'm on a... You're on stairs, they go nowhere. <laughs> You're climbing these stairs and they're leading nowhere. <laughs> and that's what can happen to us in life, man. We climb the stairs, they go nowhere, man. You know? But as soon as he took his mind off himself, so he could have kept his mind on himself and try to figure out, well, you know, maybe instead of letting Jesus preach for an hour, Instead of listening to Jesus preach for an hour, maybe I should be on my boat trying to catch some daggone fish. And that's what happens to people in church. Instead of going to that church and listening to pastor preach, man, I could be making this money. But it winds up being money that you put in pockets with holes in it. Because you need to be here to hear the word of God. One word from God could change your life forever. That's the key. It's more, that's why, I see, the difference between Martha and Mary was that she, she sat at the feet of Jesus. She's listening. She, want, she wanted to get the word. Martha's working. And she's upset now because Mary ain't helping her work. <laughs> but Jesus rebukes her and says, you know, Mary has chosen that 
choosing that thing that's not going to be taken away from her. She, she chose the more important thing, which is to sit at my feet and hear this word. See, we, we, don't, we don't put enough value and stock in the word of God. You know, we think that it's something that we can kind of just do without, you know. We take it or we leave it, you know. When I can get here, I get it, you know. But one word from God can change your life forever. Forever, man. Forever. I've sat in church sometimes and got one word, I mean, that has just transformed everything. See if you got ears to hear. And that's why I always start talking. That's why I start talking about you got to have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. You got to listen. You can't be distracted and thinking about, you know, what you're going to eat and stuff like that when you leave here. You got to be focused because if you want to hear the word of God, you got to be listening with both ears. So this thing happens for, for Peter, man. And when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. <laughs> for he was astonished. And all that were with him at the draught of fishes which they had taken. My God, man. I mean, it just messed him up, man, to just see that miracle happen. And see, when God begins to speak to you and he starts doing things for you, man, you be thinking, man, you know, I, you know, I mess up, man. I do things, and I, but, but you still keep blessing me. You know, and that's what Peter's feeling, man. He's feeling like, man, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, I'm a sinful man, man. I do things, you know, to get a blessing like this. All right, let me, let me get focused back on my message, but I wanted to share that. I was thinking about that. I was sitting right here, and I was getting blessed, you know, in, in, in worship, and I just started thinking about that. You know, it just came, just came in my mind. I know it was God just kind of depositing into me, but, you know, he wanted to just crystallize this. See, just if you focus on my business, if you, if you take care of the things that mean most to me, if you focus on that and you begin to make that your priority, then I begin to make your business my priority. I'll make sure that you have those things that you've been desiring. That's why the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, we delight ourselves in our own stuff, you know. But if we delight ourselves in the Lord, then he'll begin to give you the desires of your heart. All right, so let me let me uh, let me get back into this. So I start talking about the fact that see the expansion of the kingdom of God is really is really Jesus's uh, you know is really God's main agenda for us. And um, in Matthew chapter three verses one and two, now I want you I want to show you just a transition of ministries. Or a jit, right? Of, of ministry. In Matthew 3, 1 through 2, it says, In those days, John the Baptist appeared, preaching in the wilderness of Judea along, with the, along the western side of the Dead Sea, and saying, Repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, live your life in a way that proves repentance, seek God's purpose for your life, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, he comes on the scene. John the Baptist comes on the scene. And his job really is to prepare the way for Jesus. That's, that's, his, whole, that's his whole ministry. 
to prepare the way for Jesus. You know, so his message is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he's baptizing people. And then he has the privilege of baptizing the Lord Jesus. After he does that, really his ministry is over. His time is over, you know. And then there begins to be a transition of the ministry now that Jesus is on the scene. And it says, and then in Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 17, it says, Now when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested and put in prison, he left for Galilee. So, you know, John the Baptist is put into prison. And he's, you know, he's in there for, for a while, you know. And, and uh, you'll think, you know, that's Jesus' cousin and stuff like that. You'd think that, you know, Jesus would come, you know, and uh, put down a box or something like that and stand and hold the bars and say, you know, don't worry about it. John, I'm going to get you out of here. The Bible says he went to Galilee. <laughs> he didn't even go visit him in prison. And it says now, it says he left for Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the country of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee and the district of the Gentiles. The people who are sitting or living in spiritual darkness have seen a great light. And for those who are sitting or living in the land in the shadow of spiritual and moral death, upon them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They transitioned the ministry. Jesus didn't stop the mission. The mission didn't stop because John was finished. John's put into prison. Later on, he's beheaded because his ministry's over. He did, he did what he was called to do. His whole purpose for being born was to make the way, the pathway straight for the Lord to come. That, that was it. Once, once Jesus came on the scene, his ministry was over. And it was time for him to go home to be with the Lord. He was done. See, I always talk about the fact that, see, as long as you're here on this planet, you got work to do. You're here for a purpose, you know. God didn't save you so that you can just, you know, sit in a pew and uh, think about how you're going to make more money. <laughs> That's not why he saved you. Because the moment your, your mission is done, there's no need for you to be here. Because the, the, the prize is heaven. This ain't the prize. You know, we focus so much on the temporal. This world is temporary. Even if you live to be 120. I don't care if you live to be 200 years old. It still is a, a blip on a, time, on a time chart to eternity. So we focus so much on how we're gonna, you know, make it, what we're gonna do, and you know, all this stuff. We, we're focusing so much on that stuff. And when God saved us so that we could then be an extension of him to the rest of this dying world. See, the world that was sitting in darkness. This world is in darkness right now. 
I mean, this whole, I mean, and it's just getting worse and worse. It ain't getting no better. I mean, worse and worse. People are getting more, you know, you know, rowdy and more, you know, I mean, lawlessness is like, as the Bible said, lawlessness is increasing. I mean, people are getting crazy, man. I mean, just demonic stuff, man. The thoughts of people, man, just demonic, you know? And here we are, you know, focusing on, you know, stuff that means nothing. Now, God don't mind you having those things. He don't mind that. That's why he says, see, seek first again. Seek my, seek my kingdom first. I, I'll give you all that. That ain't nothing to me. I'll give, that, I'll give all that to you. I don't mind you enjoying life. Just don't seek that first. I don't mind you having the finer things in life. Just don't seek that. Just don't seek that first. Seek me first. Seek the kingdom of God first. And then I'll give you that stuff. Put my agenda first. And I'll take care of that for you. I'll allow you to have all of that. And we see that very clearly in the beginning of King Solomon's ministry. That that he is, that is the old, the old testament, the New Testament revelation of what Solomon did is found in that scripture. When God asked him, What do you want me to give you? Comes to him in a dream. But what do you want me to give you? He could have said, I want money. Give me a lot of money. Like most of us would. <laughs> give me a million dollars, you know. Like <laughs> you know. What do you want me to give you? <laughs> really? <laughs> you know, he says, you know, uh, I'm young, I'm inexperienced. You know, here I am, you know, king over all of these, these great people. You know, give me an understanding heart. You know, give me wisdom so that I can judge your people right. See, seek first the kingdom of God. See, there's mining on himself. He's thinking about how he can better the kingdom, how he can how he can rule over the kingdom in a way that would be pleasing to God. Give me wisdom so that I can judge the people right. And he says, because you asked for this thing. And because you didn't ask for wealth or you know all this stuff, I'm gonna give you the wisdom you asked for. But I'm also gonna make you the, you're gonna be. There's never going to be anybody before you or after you that's more wealthy than you. And there's never going to be anybody that's more wise than you are. Seek, seek, seeking first the kingdom of God. Getting your priorities straight. Getting them lined up. My, my priorities are the things of God. That's my number one priority. Then after then God will give you everything else that you're, you, 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 you're looking for. So I put here, you know, when Jesus begins to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was the, for the purpose of expanding the kingdom of God. No question about it, you know. The amazing thing is that he gets the ministry from John. And then the apostles get the ministry from him. It's passing down. All the way down to us. Now, now we have it. We have the message now. 
Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Does we have that message now? Continuously pass down. The goal is to expand the kingdom of God. Before this thing ends, to win as many souls for the kingdom of heaven as possible. And to limit the number of people that bust hell wide open. And I put here, first of all, we need to realize that we ourselves are an expansion of the kingdom of God. We ourselves. When we gave our, when we gave our life to Jesus, whenever you did it, whatever day that was, you entered into the kingdom of God. You became a citizen of heaven. You know what I'm saying? You got your, you got your, your citizenship into the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> and you automatically became, I became a son, you became daughters. So now you're just not a citizen, you're a ruler. The Bible says we've been made kings and priests unto him. As a king or queen, you know, we rule. As a priest, we minister unto him. We offer up gifts and sacrifices unto him. That's why we praise him and worship him. What we're doing is we're offering up, as priests, we're offering up gifts and sacrifices to him. The Bible says, offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. See, praise is a sacrifice. Worship is a sacrifice. We're offering up a sweet, when, when, when they were, when they were in that tabernacle and they were, when they were, you know, putting that animal on that altar, it, the Bible says it went up to God as a sweet smelling aroma. When we begin to worship him out of a pure heart, it's a sweet smelling aroma. When we sit here like we did tonight, we begin to worship God and our focus gets off of ourselves and we begin to worship him out of a pure heart. I mean, that thing rises up. That's why the Bible says our prayers are like incense. They rise up and he smells them. You begin to spend time with God. You begin to pray to him. Your prayers are like incense. He just smells like, oh man. You know, the Bible says concerning Cornelius, he's the first Gentile to get saved. It says that his prayer and his giving, they went up as a they they went up before God as a memorial to him. At that time, only only Jews were being saved. You know, but his prayers and his giving got God's attention. And he he spoke to Peter in a whole nother place. He spoke to Peter that you, you need to go to this man's house. Don't don't question anything. He tells the man to send people to Peter and he tells Peter to go with him. And he walks into his house and preaches the gospel to him for the first time. That's the first time we are saved today because of that man. Cornelius because the door to salvation was not open to Gentiles at the time but his prayers and his giving he's praying he's giving and he's worshiping and God just he, he just got God's attention he's like I got to do something for this man I got to save this man and his household so I you know I put it, you know, when we were born again, again, we were born into the kingdom of God. We're citizens of heaven, but not just citizens, rulers. 
We're God's children. We are, we are heirs of God through Christ, the Bible says, and we are joint heirs with Christ. We are also God's ambassadors. We are the kingdom of heaven's representatives. And our job is to fill heaven with more citizens through recruitment. We are therefore tasked with winning souls and saving them for the kingdom. That is how we help the expansion of the kingdom. And, um, and I put here, so then, you know, what is the kingdom of heaven? Ultimately, it speaks to Christ coming back to reign over the earth with his disciples. It also speaks of God's original plan being realized on the earth. So we have all been given this great ministry. And it talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm about to close. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go with this scripture and I'm going to close. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. It says there, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. It said the old, and, and in, the, in the Greek it says, a new species of being that has never existed. <laughs> Those that are in Christ are new, they are, they are new. A new species of being that has never existed. And it says the old things have passed away. See all that, you know, dirt dog, bad person you used to be. All things have passed away. <laughs> Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. It says, but all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, making us acceptable to him. And then when he did that, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So that by our example, we might bring others to him. See, we were brought to him. We were reconciled to God. In other words, we were put back into right relationship with him. You know, and it says now when, when that happened, we then were given the ministry of reconciliation. And now our job is to reconcile people to God. To, to, to connect them to him. To bring them, bring them into peace with him. That's, that's now our job. And it says that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not counting people's sins against them. But canceling them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Remember, what's the message? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John, John had it, started with it, passed it to Jesus. The apostles took it, on, took it on and carried it through. And now the word of reconciliation has been given to us. Now we are to reconcile people back to God. And he has committed to us the, the message of reconciliation. That is restoration to favor with God. People that are not saved, they don't, they're out of favor with God. So now, when we reconcile people back to God, when we reconcile them, now they can get into favor with God. So that's our, our ministry. It says, so we are ambassadors for Christ. You know, an ambassador is a representative from another country. Right? We are from another planet. 
You know, heaven's a planet. And we are representatives from heaven. We are God's representatives. We are his ambassadors. And we're here now to reconcile people. So we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. <laughs> God himself is making an appeal to people. You know, stop living like that, man. You know, there's so much better. You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to do that. Jesus loves you, man. You know, we are making, God is making his appeal through us. He's making his appeal through us. We as Christ's representatives plead with you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. I love it. And I just put here as I get ready to close. Again, if we were only saved so that we could go to heaven, we would have we'd have went to heaven the first day we got saved. Again, when you're, you're when you're done, when your ministry, when you're finished, when you're done, there's no need for you to be here no more. There's no need. John, John was finished, man. I mean, his ministry, his ministry began to dry up. You know, people start getting upset. You know, it's almost like John had to be taken out of the way because people start getting upset. Like, you know, they're saying, you know, Jesus is baptizing more people than John. You know, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. You know. And his, his disciples, man, he said, behold, the Lamb of God, take away the sinners of the world, right? And his disciples started getting up and following Jesus. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's all about him now. Ain't about John no more. John did, did his part. You know, and he's recognized, I mean, and, and, and Jesus put the light on him, man. He said, there's, he said, out of every man that's born of a woman, there's no prophet that rose up that's greater than John. Because he had the privilege of ushering in the Messiah. Baptized him. You know, and then pointed him out. I mean, he said, that, he said, God, when he spoke to me, he said, whoever, you know, the, the spirit lights on like a dove. And, I, and he said, and I saw it. And he said, now behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. My God, man. When he was finished with that, though, that was it. Not too long afterwards, he's thrown in prison. Not too long after that, he's beheaded. He's done. Because his ministry's over. But we've been given a ministry. And our ministry, we're still here breathing. Our ministry's not over. We have people in our world that God wants us to win, that he wants us to influence, that he wants us to, to minister to. And I'm not talking about beating them over the head with the gospel. I'm talking about, but I'm talking about, number one, being an example. Because witnessing is more than handing out pamphlets. You know, and the Jesus bumper sticker and the shirt that says, I love you, Jesus. It, it's more than that. It's about living a lifestyle. This that when people see it, they say something's something's different. Like, wow, you know, you got peace, man. Like you know, things are all hell breaking loose in your life. Why you got so much peace? Well, Jesus, you know, He gives me peace. 
even though things are happening, man, I got peace because, you know, I don't, I'm trusting in him. I'm not trusting in myself. You know, something's different. You know, something, you know, I want that what you got. See, people, people, we don't make Christianity attractive to people. They don't want it because they're like, you know, you just, you gossiping like me. Yeah. You cursing like me. You do, you know, what I want to go that for. There's no change. They, in order for people to want it, there has to be something that they see that they want. When, when people that knew me from my past, they see me today. I mean, they're, they're an absolute shock. And they want to know what happened, man. Like, you know, what, what happened? Like, you, you were heading down a real wrong path there, man. What happened? I gave my life to Jesus, man. You know, and he turned he turned everything around. See, it has to look attractive for people to want it. There has to be something on you. You know what I'm saying? And that comes from being in his presence, you know, and, and, and focusing on his agenda. And if you begin to do that. If you begin to do that, you begin to make that your focus, you don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to make it or whether or not you're going to succeed in life or whether or not you're going to have the things that you want to have. God don't care about that stuff. You know, the Bible says that, that he, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. <laughs> he said, the silver is gold, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, and, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I own everything. And, and he's able in a moment to, to begin to, you know, give stuff to you. He told the Israelites, I'm going to give you houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant. If you begin to focus on his agenda, he'll begin to focus on yours. So that, that's, the, that's where we're heading this year. Seek ye first, you know, the kingdom of God. I tell you, man. If you really dive into it, man, it's a beautiful life. Because God will start doing things for you that will just blow your mind. All right, we're going to close right here. Just Everybody just lift your hands and worship and we're going to close right here. Oh, thank you, Father. God, we just want to thank you and praise you. We worship you. God, we just thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for ministering to us. Father, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that your people heard this word tonight. That they will begin to seek first the kingdom of God. Your righteousness, your way of doing and being right. We know that if we do those things that everything that we've been thinking about, praying about, hoping for, believing, wishing for, we know that you're well able to give us those things. You already know the things that we need. And as the scriptures say, my God shall supply all, all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, Father, we just want to thank you in advance for what you're going to do in your people's lives. Grant us the grace to 
focus on the things of God, to not be distracted by the enemy. And Father, we just want to thank you. Burn this word in our hearts. Help us to focus on this as we're going through our, our daily travels and our walks to make sure that we don't miss an opportunity to live this life before people and then when you open up the door to witness the people. And Father, for we just thank you, we bless you. God, we give you all the praise, the glory. We give you honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, 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 amen. Now come on, let's just give Jesus a praise as we close. Amen, amen. Thank you, Father.